Well, once again, good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. And speaking of church, in the North American Mennonite church experience about 35 to 40 years ago, give or take a few years, a certain praise song became known as the Mennonite National Anthem. Now, you heard me right, for those of you who have no clue what I'm saying. This signature song became synonymous with white, Swiss, German, Mennonite, ethnic worship experience. So much so, it was no longer necessary to announce this song. Someone just simply said, we're going to sing 606. Some of you remember that. It has survived in worship hymn book as 118 and voices together as number 70. But today, if one of us announced we're going to sing 118 or 70, we would have no clue. And maybe that's for the better. Other signature songs in the wider church include the Church of the Brethren, Move in Our Midst. United Church of Christ claims, Praise the, song, praise the Lord, sing hallelujah. Voices Together 30, and uh, in our midst was Voices Together 827, and Voices Together 611 from James Johnson's Lift Every Voice and Sing, a song rehearsing the joys and sorrows of the black church in America. But how about you? Do you have a signature song for yourself or for your family? And what is it? I mean, if you're a teenager or a middle age or older age or somewhere in between, do you have a signature song that you resonate with and you go back to time and time again? Well, on this sixth and last Sunday of Lent, we are accustomed to a sermon that rehearses Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And as he approaches that path down from the Mount of Olives, the crowds of people are cheering with hosannas and blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed to be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. But seeing that this lectionary year does not include this Luke text from chapter 19 and noticing the Philippians 2 text, I began to wonder about the connections between the traditional Psalm, Palm Sunday story and Philippians 2. I began to wonder about the faith experience of this church in Philippi some 30 years later after Jesus died. So how do Jesus' actions on Palm Sunday influence them and Paul as he writes this letter to the Philippians? We begin by imagining being part of this isolated community of faith under the occupancy of power of Rome, which is power over. Paul has visited five years prior. And from Acts 16, we can read about that visit, the origins of the congregation, the amazing interactions that he had with local governing bureaucrats and a small group of Jesus followers led by Lydia, a powerful business person specializing in purple fabrics. So now the church in Philippi is now about 50 people, its core members of Jewish heritage sprinkled in with Greek and immigrant uh, population with women being prominent as leaders in this church. And now they receive a letter from Paul. He's in prison in Ephesus. 
awaiting trial from a Roman court. And Paul writes to this congregation who have never, ever met Jesus, but are heavily influenced by Jesus' approach to faith and life. Perhaps the most tangible evidence of Jesus in their life is what I call their signature hymn, the text read by Kevin, Philippians 2, 5 to 11. And here he writes over and over, and at least in my mind, he writes this over and over, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. So how is it that this hymn is recorded in Paul's letter? I like to think it was included because it's their signature song. It's the one they return to over and over again, reminding them of their loyalty to Jesus in the midst of competing theological, social, and political influences, often emphasizing power over. So there are a number of pieces I like to pick out from this text, not so much from the text, but what it implies. And first of all is the content. The content of this signature song creates tensions with this Roman imperial power and culture. It also sometimes creates tensions within this congregation, as we see in chapter 4. Gordon Zerbe in the Believer's Church Bible Commentary writes, There is a prevailing vertical hierarchy in a status and rank occupied society. It simply means power over. If, that, if, if, if Gordon got us lost there. And he describes this power over concept as the most significant threat to this Philippian church as a truly Christ-centered citizen body. So what to do? What to do when you're in this minority? Do you resist? Do you accommodate? Do you do something in between? Well, it seems to me they look to the poets and songs to tell the truth. Let the same mind be in you as in Christ Jesus. Zerbe continues, the Philippians 2 song has a rhythmic quality for worship to praise God. It invites the congregation to join in confessing Jesus Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. The congregation rehearses the promise and nurtures its promises that Jesus' death is not the end, just as our death is not the end. Secondly, this hymn, chapter 2, 5 to 12, claims an alternative citizenship, alternative to Roman citizenship, even as Paul himself is a Roman citizen. From their very beginning as a fellowship, Jesus is an antidote to Roman imperial claims, power over, antidote to the liturgies of the Roman Empire where emperors were proclaimed as gods, just as Claudius was in this era of this letter. Let the same mind be in you as in Christ Jesus, Paul writes. But there's also some interesting things about the style in which it was written. It is close to the pattern of a Greek encomium which I never heard that word before, encomium. That's a public tribute to a worthy citizen, a national hero, or a military victor. And here it turns the tables of Roman power over using the same form to give tribute to Jesus. Isn't that kind of a parody 
And this parody kind of pokes fun at the gospel of Augustus, the emperor, that unmasks the Roman claims of divine wisdom and exposes Caesar as just a pretender whose desire is so much to be honored like the gods, but through violent political conquest. Furthermore, this song implicates the Roman Empire as an example of holding the whole world in bondage, at least the known world to people of that day, to the bondage of powers of death and fear and sin. And so, my friends, is it any wonder that Paul was arrested and put in jail and eventually uh, sentenced to death? Because he wrote, let the same mind be in you that is in Christ Jesus. This text also reminds us that being mindful means being focused on the same thing, having the same love, joined in soul, focused on one thing, power with. Not like rivals striving for empty glory, but regarding others as better than yourselves. And that's kind of hard to do sometimes, isn't it? At least it is for me. Not each watching out for their own interests to get to the top, but looking for the interests of others. Not taking advantage of one's power and authority for their own benefit. So Paul writes, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And I believe this is on Jesus' mind as he approaches purposely this donkey ride into Jerusalem. Being praised on Palm Sunday, I believe, is the root context of this song in Philippians, where God exalts Jesus by naming Jesus' accomplishments, just as the Romans would honor uh, their emperors by naming their accomplishments. Jody Byler is vice president of communications at Goshen College. She writes about power. Sometimes we tend to think of power as those which others have, but not us. Sometimes we may wonder if we have any power, which especially, of course, when things don't go our way. End of quote. And I've come to understand that power is simply the ability to do things. So how many of you can do something? Come on, let's see those hands. We can all do something, right? So you have power. We all have a sense of power. So we consider what each of us can do. So power, when thought of as in this way, is not so much about what we can't do. It's more about what we can do in the space in front of us. We can each do our piece, as Pastor Todd mentioned a few Sundays ago. Authority, on the other hand, is the right to do something. So Jody continues, are you comfortable with your power? A lot of us are not because of how often we have seen or experienced the abuse of power. We may even deny power, our power, or believe we are powerless, but that's also not a good place to stay. And so with Jesus arriving in Jerusalem on a humble donkey instead of a valiant white steed, Palm Sunday is upon us again, and, we, and it turns our assumptions about power upside down. 
God continually invites us to rethink worldly conquests of power over, which usually ends up in violence, and instead invites us to join the true power of love, of, of power with, of, of love, service, and humility, compassion, and nonviolence. This indeed is power with versus power over. And then Jody asks us some questions. How are we working with and for the most vulnerable, implying with our power? How do we use our own power to empower others? How are we being servant leaders who are listening to and connecting with others instead of watching and correcting them? End of quote. So as we seek God's way, we move from an understanding of power that grasps for control over others to an understanding that true power comes from working with and for others in love. For this indeed is the mind that was in Christ Jesus. So to close, I invite you to Voices Together, 922, 922. And as you get to that page you'll, and that number, you'll notice that there are a number of lines that are indented. And those are your lines. And I will read the ones that are out to the margin. So we'll take our time. This is a confession of faith to the one who said, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ. Let's begin. We are not alone. We believe in God. The world. We trust in God, and we are called to be the church. In death, in life beyond death, we are not alone. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> 